Hey, buddies. Fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group headed by yours truly. And I am happy to report that uh, as of November 5th, I guess that was, uh, yeah, uh, as of November 5th, uh, Lady Hyde is now available to stream on Tubi TV, uh, T-U-B-I, um, it's on uh, smart TVs and all that, it's a cool app channel, and it's also, if you go to TubiTV.com, you can watch it online there as well on their site, so... Um, and uh, like I said before, Amazon Prime has it, and I know um, just waiting for them to add it. They're always a little slower um, with the selections, from what I've been told. And then, of course, Nuclear Home Video is launching on the 15th, and they're worldwide. So um, you might have a chance to watch it then, I'm not sure. And finally, on Momitu, M-O-M-E-T-U, and same case, they have it as well. It's delivered to them, just waiting to see when they decide to upload it. So, so yeah, Lady Hyde's available there for you to see. It's my take on Just Franco's She Killed an Ecstasy, mixed with a bunch of other stuff, Love Blade, a sequel, and my own uh, story and ideas and dialogue and everything. So it's uh, my version of a Franco film, and um, along with my film. So, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of good reviews about it. People that are Franco fans have dug it. So, uh, yeah, check it out. It's on Tubi TV, and, of course, it's free for all, so it's uh, no cost at all. So check that out. All right, so there's my little plug on Desperate Visions. Um, now, let's go on with the show. This is episode 115, film 116. Um, film 115 is uh, Cries of Pleasure, and we did that back on, uh, I think it was like episode 27. Let me double check. No, uh, 28, episode 28, we did film 115. So if you want to listen, if, you, if you're watching in order or going in order, uh, go back and listen to episode 28 for film 115. So now we're on film 116, and uh, it's a film that I watched earlier before recording this portion with Kali and did the review, and I uh, really, really dug it a lot. I really enjoyed it. And it is Los Blues de la Cali Pop. <coughs> And it's, um, and in Princey's Adventures, the Philippi Marlboro, Volume 8. So this is like basically a Franco um, detective slash comic book movie. And it was really cool and reminded me of like uh, some of the Al Prairie ones, like Pickup Girls and uh, the Al Crosby and stuff. So yeah, it was definitely good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um and that's the Spanish theatrical title, Le La Blues de Calipop, The Ventures de Felipe Marlboro, Volume 8, almost like The Ventures, Buckaroo Banzai, Across the Eighth Dimension, or something like that. Uh, and the translation of that is, of course, Pop Street Blues, Adventures uh, of Philip Marlboro, Volume 8. And this is Spain, 1982 production. Uh, this is a side step from uh, Golden Films. Um, that, uh, let's see, where are we at here? Yeah, Golden Films, that's a sidestep from them. And, uh, of course, taking information from Flowers of Perversion, Volume 2 by Stephen Thrower. 
you'll learn why it's not a Golden Films, even though it's the same period. Uh, so production company, Manicoa Films, that's Jess Franco's um, own side project, his own production company. Uh, theatrical distributors, unreleased theatrically in Madrid, Barcelona, Seville, Merca, or Cartagena. Uh, so timeline on this, he shot this summer of 1982 uh, and got the certificate number on it September 7th of 83. So it came out in 83, but shot in 82, summer of 82. Uh, theatrical running time, 90 minutes. And video and DVD running time converted. Uh, the PAL DVD is 86 minutes, 56 seconds. And the Spanish Galan Video PAL VHS is 87 minutes, 5 seconds. All right, of course, credits, we all know who does these, but here we go. Writer director, writer and director, of course, Jess Franco. <clears throat> director of photography, Jess Franco. Uh, camera assistant, Enrique Diaz. Okay, cool, I was wondering who the assistant was on that. Uh, production manager, Antonio Mayans, as Jose Antonio Mayans. Makeup, Juana de la Morena. Editor, David Raposo. Oh, interesting, Franco didn't edit this, okay. Yeah, it's good good editing in this. Uh, it's very fast-paced. Music, Fernando Garcia and Worchilio and Jess Franco. Um, titles and tracks, Capricorno Uno, uh, Fuji Color, uncredited uh, producer, Jess Franco, and camera operator, Jess Franco. Okay, so yeah, his production company, of course, so he's the producer, the camera operator, the writer, director and the director of photography yeah so that's a lot of a lot of, a lot of bases there all right cast uh, antonio mayans as robert foster he's his character of felipe marlboro so yeah everybody's named after cigarettes in this film uh, lena romay is candy coster plays Gennara winston aka butterfly uh trino traveras plays saul winston the drug dealer Maria Del Mar Sanchez, uh, billed as Mary Sad, S-A-D. She plays Mary Lucky, Lucky's of course. Uh, Jose Lamas plays Macho Jim, which that's like my favorite name. They get just the way they keep saying it, Macho Jim. And of course, Jose Lamas was in The Shadow of Judoku versus Dr. Wong as Bruce Lin, the lead in that. So um, in this, he's much better, I think. Even though, I mean, he wasn't bad in the other film, but the film's bad. Uh, Augustin Garcia plays Impassable Carter. Uh, Analia Evers plays Macho Jim's punk girlfriend. Of course, Jess Franco plays uh, pianist Sam Chesterfield. A pianist. Okay, that's what it says. It's funny. Uh, Juanita de la Moreno plays Maria Eugenia a.k.a. Golfa, punk woman in a hotel room next to Marlboro's. Uh, Ricardo Palacios, the narrator, voice only. And finally, Jose Miguel Garcia Marfa plays Pepita's drug-dealing girlfriend. And um, I know he is a friend of mine on Facebook, so uh, if you're listening to this, hello, Jose. Um, all right, let me see if I'm going to go through the synopsis. synopsis is quite wordy, so I'm going to kind of break out that and uh just gonna go with the production notes and the review by thrower and everything um and uh oh yeah also too um 
you've read in the description of the episode, uh, Kali from Los Angeles joins me again on Zoom. And uh, we talk a little longer on this film because it's a good film. Um, so it's about, uh, we talk about maybe an hour or more on it. So And also, too, um, she happened to watch Lady Hyde, and um, she has a little interview with me um, about the film and everything. So that's toward the end after the uh, review of the film. So, All right, now on with this. Uh, production notes. By now, Franco was working almost constantly, prepping, shooting, and editing in a world of activity, happily churning out movies faster than Golden Films could market them. As long as he kept on working, the money to pay for production was there every time. However, getting any royalties from theatrical releases proved a lot more difficult something which Franco and Antonio Mayans discovered when they began to inquire about the profits that ought to have been pouring in. Consequently, as the relationships with Golden Films soured, Franco diverted projects away from them and revived his own production company, Manicoa Films, a trading moniker he'd last used for a pair of thrillers from the early 70s, uh, Silence of the Tombs, 1972, and The Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff, 1973, followed by the Italian release of Women Behind Bars in 1975. Although chronologically it is difficult during this feverish period of production, the first Manicoa film of the 80s appears to have been Los Blues de la Calipop, Adventures de Philippe Marlowe, Volume 8, uh, which, judging by Antonio Mayan's clean-shaven appearance, was probably shot in late 82. He wore a thick beard for much of 1983, cut down to a mustache in the fall of 83 and throughout 1984. For the next three years, another eight Manicoa productions turned up, either in Spanish theaters or straight-to-video. Those are Camino Solitero, 1983, La Chicas del Tango, 1983, Cuanto... Cobra un Espia, 1984. Huego um, Socho un Casablanca, 1984. Las Chicas de los Labos Rojos, 1984. Bahia Blanca, 1985. La Escalava Blanca, 1985. Uh, Las Ultimas de Filipinas, 1985. And finally... Uh, Viejo and Bangkok, Undead included, a Trip to Bangkok, Coffin included, uh, 1985. In addition, three unfinished or unreleased films, uh, El Assassin, Reva, McLean, Negares, 1984, Vokis de Morete, 1984, and Janelis de Rio, 1984, were also apparently Manicoa Productions. Review. By Stephen Thrower. Uh, Los Blues to Cali Pop is a pulp noir, pulp noir detective story that flirts, that flits, that's funny, that flits between comedy, tragedy, and outright parody. Franco affects a sardonic directorial posture, playing the genre game while undercutting its cliches. Although less overtly comedic than his knockabout spy parody, Lucky the Inscrutable, 1966, or the Red Lips films, Saturatica, and Kiss Me Monster, shot back-to-back in 1967, Los Blues de Calipop, nevertheless, adopts a sinister, amused, detached approach, influenced once again by Jean-Luc Godard's meta-genre 
pastiche of the 1960s. In terms of Mississine and use of color, its closest neighbor in the Franco canon is Botas Negras Latigo de Cuero, 1982. However, the peculiar character names Macho Jim, Impassable Carter, and Felipe Marlboro, copious movie references, a pianist called Sam, cutaway to ballroom pictures of Bogart, Marilyn Monroe, and Kinski's Nosferatu, punk costumes and hard-boiled nor voiceovers by an uncredited Ricardo Palicios generate a more turbulent sense of irony than the relatively straightforward nor stylings of that film. The opening credits play over a painting depicting Manhattan by night in conjunction with the voiceover. This implies that we should read the setting, Shit City, as a punk reimagining of the American metropolis. Film noir stories tended to unfold by and enlarge in the concrete underworlds of the USA. This shit, or thus shit city, so the script would have us believe, is a sleazy resort on the American East East Coast. But having triggered th- um, these cultural associations, Franco makes no attempt whatsoever to maintain the illusion of an American setting. Instead, the film is predicated on a pathetic shortfall between the stylistic topography of film noir and the tacky tourist destination in which the story actually unfolds, Benidorm on the Costa del Sol. Rather than trying to simulate American America, Franco deliberates, deliberately incorporates shots revealing the true location. At one point, he cuts directly to a neon sign boasting Benidorm's West End, deliberately contradicting the script and references to Ohio and Santa Cruz. Um, okay. uh, genre satire aside, there are some lovely visual flourishes here and there. Yeah, that's one thing I'm going to cut in here. Um, one thing I talk about in the review is Franco has a lot of really cool camera setups in this film. Really cool, beautiful shots. Um, really good use of light camera position um his framing his setups there's some really cool visual flourishes in here i i really like this though that part of it a lot especially um some are simply decorative for instance when marlboro searches a suspect's apartment a light fixture flares rainbow patterns into the camera lens a dazzling effect which reoccurs several times throughout the film other examples more clearly define the film's moral scenario a conversation conveyed to us by inverted reflection in a polished glass table prefigures a character's duplicate motivations. Uh, Romay's admission of guilt after murdering a key character is bathed in a suitably incriminating red light, and when femme fatale Mary Lucky gazes at Marlboro through the rim of a whiskey glass held to the camera for an Argento-esque subjective shot, the Baroque visual contrivance is an expression of her immorality and boredom with the trivialities of murder. A lovemaking scene between Mayans and Romay is backlit exquisitely with the edges of faces and bodies picked out by corneas of illumination. Yeah, that's like my favorite sequence. Really, I was stunned by that. Um, uncommon for Franco, what is being what is being expressed here is the tenderness of the encounter. The lighting accumulates the sensitivity of two bodies brimming with erotic energy. Elsewhere, Franco carefully positions Felipe Marlboro in a way that symbolizes his failings as a sleuth. Mary Lucky is introduced to us standing beside a mirror, the doubling of her image suggesting in classic noir style that she is someone we should keep an eye on. Meanwhile, in the same composition, we see Marlboro 
standing by the shuttered window, gazing out through the gasps in the wind slats. So much for the virtues of deduction. His position within the frame suggests a man who doesn't try very hard, who misses vital information, and only has a very limited view of the world. Uh, yeah, here we go. Um, best among the supporting characters is Impassable Carter, a flamboyishly sadist gangster whom we first see beating up Marlboro with a flurry of immaculate flamenco kicks. He's played by one of the fines of Franco's Benidorm movies, Augustine Garcia. He's also in La Chica's de Tango, uh, whose genuine screen presence and ironic sensibility is entire in is entirely in keeping with Franco's approach to the film. Carter's second encounter with Marlboro is worth keeping is worth looking at in more detail because it exemplifies some of the strengths and weaknesses of the film. Garcia is perfectly menacing and very funny as the flick knife wielding psychopath and his confrontation with Mayans is the latter's hotel room is framed beautifully by Franco's camera work, backlit by glaring sunlight. However, lack of time and money appears to have resulted in the entire scene like being played out in a medium shot. To reverse or otherwise change the camera angle would require a totally different lighting setup, all the more difficult without the expertise of Juan Solar, who didn't work on this film. Consequently, Franco delivers the entire confrontation as a mid-shot tableau. The drama of the scene positively begs for a tight shot of the sneering villain, the knife edging closer to the hero's throat, the sweat trickling down Mayan's features. Instead, we see it on profile, partially bleached out by the light streaming through the window. Note that despite the prominence in the story, Garcia has not granted a single close-up at this point. Given the importance of close-ups in the type of Hollywood cinema, Frank was pastiching. Uh, this counts as a serious oversight. Only during his come-up-with scene do we get a sustained shot of the villain's face. Alright, the final section here on his review. Uh, the film takes a deliberately flippant attitude to its MacGuffin character, the missing Macho Jim, a character who is lampooned and undercut both by his absurd name and by his handling within the story. For a start, it's an aversion of Hollywood tradition for a woman to employ a detective to find her missing boyfriend. However, mockingly setting set up this Macho character as the lost property of an active female, Franco then uses him as little more than a visual token, a, a sop, Perhaps to the young youth demographic, was Franco tired of being told by producers and distributors to aim for a youth audience? Question mark. He edited shots of Macho Jim into the action as a cipher or visual icon played by handsome Jose Lamas as a lipsticked New York punk crossed with a James Dean-esque rockabilly rebel. But when it comes to the punch, the posturing, preening male turns tail and runs. As Felipe Marlboro puts it, in a calculated, lame punchline scene that effectively mocks both characters, he's more yellow Jim than macho Jim, or to quote another Marlboro's ineffective zingers, so you are macho Jim, you are macho shit. Which I actually like that line. Uh, the point of this all seems to be a jibe at the vanity of contemporary youth culture. Lobus looks like he's mimicking teen icon of the day, Matt Dillon. Yet Franco's mockery of Macho Jim is ultimately too shallow to avoid appearing no more than a middle-aged man's resentment of the younger generation. However, over-pampered, cliched, and if it Macho Jim may appear, we do need more character detail for to side with Franco's dislike of him. Culturally, the film's preferential treatment of an older cliched seems at odds with the destruction of that character to Franco's Botus Negras, Latigo de Cuero, Black Boots of the Whip, uh, which, for my money, is a better film. Eh, I don't know. Whether Franco's attitude to the trashy pop culture or the early 80s, he seems to acknowledge the 
futility of his satire by rolling the credits over a final shot of the now-deceased Macho Jim. Not Macho Man, Randy Savage, but Macho Jim. Uh, pouting prettily the camera, transcending death in an eternal fashion shoot. All right, Frank on screen. A significant role by Jess as a barroom pianist called Sam, echoing the flame, Ivory Tickler of Rick's Cafe, Americana, and Casablanca. All right, cast and crew. Uh, Trino Traveris plays one of the villainous drug dealers. Sal Winston was a friend of Franco's who went on to rack up six more performances for him, although two were in films that were never released. Um, da, 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 da. Um, music. Let's see. So there's a quote here. You look like a priest or some kind of weird politician, says Golfa to Philippe Marlborough. And she's right. Albert Ma- Antonio Mayans plays a character buttoned up, immaculately groomed, but somehow cavernous, like a vampire posing as a Mormon missionary. Um, fatally music. Fatally damping down the possibility of fireworks in the production is Fernando Garcia Morcellio's flatly conventional soundtrack. Uh, you know, I actually liked it. So, anyway, uh, how one yearns for yearns instead for the blaring, energetic tomfoolery of themes for Santa Erotica and Kiss Me Monster. Uh, the comparison is not more gratuitous. The music for the Blues Cali Pop is pulled from earlier Morcello's commissions, including his title theme for the Spanish cuts of Santa's Erotica and Kiss Me Monster, which may you recall were rescored by Van Ruin for the American releases. Uh, I just kind of slamming it here. Um, the lack of decent post-synth soundtrack also limits the film, especially near the end when Ivers must sneak up on Mayans and Romain by passing through a bead curtain. We really need the click of the beads to add tension. Uh, whatever. I don't believe that. Uh, locations. Uh, Benidorm, a much-traveled... Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Benidorm, a travel brochure tourist trap on the south coast of Spain. On the subject of Benidorm, Franco had this to say. There is a place in Spain which is kind of a set, an enormous set called Benidorm. Benidorm was kind of a fishing village 30 years ago when I went there for the first time. Now it's an enormous town with buildings, with 40 flats and things like that, but very badly done. Very nasty architects, awful colors, and so I decided to make a story. Let's say a little bit like Raymond Chandler, crossed with Madonna, but set in that world, in that town, you know, in the confusion of that town. Because it's not a real town, it's a set. It's an unbelievable place. Nobody was born there. But in summer times, there are 400,000 people there, which is a lot. It's mysterious, and so I wanted to put my story in the middle of this madness. Hmm, cool. Connections. Uh, the film's ludicrously elongated title heartens, harks back to the vogue for nonsensical nom de culture in the Italian spy movies of the 1960s. Felipe Marlborough is yet another in a chain of hapless and exploited private eyes in Franco's detective stories who get into deep water through the machinations of their dangerous femme fatale clients. See Al Pereira in Downtown, Botas Negras, Latigo de Cuero, and Camino Solitero, and Al Crosby in Pickup Girls. Wow, the movie draws upon Franco's 1960s Aquila 
Productions, the comic twin productions, Zeros Erotica and Kissing Monster, a scene shot through a fish tank, revol- recalls the third and most celebrated Aquila film, Necronomicon, a.k.a. Succubus. Um, Pickup Girls, though, Al Crosby, I thought that was Al Pereira in Pickup Girls. Huh, interesting, I'll have to look and see. I thought Al Crosby was in Botas Negros. Yeah, I think he has that switch, because I think Al Crosby's in Black Boots, Leather Whip, and uh, Al Pereira's in Pickup Girls, so... Yep, found a typo. So, alrighty. So that's that. Um, yeah. So, like I said once again, um, hang out after the break, and you'll hear Kali and myself review uh, this film and talk about it, and talk about my film, Lady Hyde, a little bit. So, yeah. Once again, uh, if you're down to check it out, find Lady Hyde on Tubi TV, and uh, it's free to watch. And if you dig it uh, and such, give me a write back. You can always get a hold of me. As I always say, at the uh, Franco Observer at yahoo.com. That's Franco Observer at yahoo.com. And uh, let me go ahead and give these plugs now. Um, you can always download every episode and subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, and most of your favorite platforms. Uh, if you dig this podcast, and especially if you really like Lady M and you want to tell others about it, that helps me out. Please do uh, share the news. Let everybody know about Lady Hyde and the Franco Observer podcast. And like I say, once again, you can get a hold of me at uh, FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Uh, FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. And I will get it back to you. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram on the Franco Observer podcast webpage there. Um, and course mission statement praise and memory of Jess Franco bringing the names and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears and I know over the last two years I have definitely filled my mission statement and have carried on my mission week by week so God's lonely man pushes through and you should too so all right, hang out past the bumper break and listen to Kali on Zoom from Los Angeles. And I have a nice long talk about this and uh, Lady Hyde and all that good stuff. So, buenas noches, maha. We are back with the film review portion of episode 115, film 116. Uh, And as you know, film 115, we had done way back when with my guest as well uh, at this time for um, this is called uh, Pop Street Blues, also known as Los Blues del Cali Pop. So I don't have Callie, but I have Collie. So we have a Collie Pop here. How are you doing, Collie? <laughs> Pretty great. Good, good, good. So um, was this your first time watching this film? Yep. Same here. Uh, yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it was fun. You know, it's a it, it's very it has lots of Franco elements, and uh, I don't know. It it I I got a put this out there that I watched your movie right before I watched this movie 
And then it was so funny to kind of see like certain overlap things that made me so cheery about it. I don't know. Sparkly sucks and whatnot. Get all the rainbows. There's lots of good fun stuff in this one. Yeah. You know, I really fucking liked this film and I always love, I mean, cause I'm a big fan of his detective films. I've, I've learned as I've went through his catalog. I mean, I like a lot of his stuff, but those are one of the genres that I really like. And I always love being surprised by a film. And usually those are the films I like best when I kind of go in with lowered expectations. And then I watch them like, this movie's really fucking good. Like, holy shit. I'm all excited. <laughs> that's why I was watching this movie. I was like, there's such, so many good stuff in this film. And I, I really fucking liked it a lot, especially after watching uh, episode I did without you uh, called The Shadow of Judoku versus Dr. Wong. The film he did two films before this, and it's one of the worst Franco films ever. It's like a bad karate <laughs> film, and, it's, and, and it had no subtitles, and it's just terrible. It's like one of the five worst Franco films. Even Stephen Thrower's oh, a piece of shit. Oh, yeah. I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you were very lucky. It was it was a trudge to sit through and then to watch this. And then, of course. No, I wasn't like actually so hyped to watch this, but it was just, I always liked the poster for it. But like, I've, I'm not the biggest fan of Jess's detective movies. And so, like, I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, you know me, I just like yeah. the, you know, the sex stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, the 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 monster sex stuff, all all that, but like when it's just like the detective thing, it sometimes gets like kind of kooky and and the the plot goes wandering and I but like this one surprised me because it has so many fun elements to it, the comic book, you know, angle and all the silly names and just like everybody's just acting so kind of extra you know and yeah i play it up so there's such good characters in here the dialogue is so fucking good i love the the snappy dialogue really funny stuff like a lot of cool references to stuff i just i just so good yeah, I, I really yeah like there's that. a lot of like winks to the audience in this one like jess is like definitely like you know like giving us little kisses it's cute yeah and i liked how this is uh okay so in the title it's most blues del county pop and then it's also uh, translated to The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, Volume 8. Which is, which? oops, hold on a second. That's weird. Uh, microphone changed. Huh, it's odd. Hmm. One second. There it goes. Okay. So yeah, uh it's funny that this is volume eight. Uh like there's like there's uh seven other comic books of the Philip Mardo character, you know. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, like there's parts in it where it talks about how you have to refer to like whatever comment comic yeah. backstory for whatever they're talking about. Like, and that's just kind of a joke. But yeah, it, it's it's like they're he's trying to create this mythology or something and I mean, it's really just the same other. I can't think of the other detective, but you know the the, the other detective that we're always watching. That yeah, uh, um, um, Al Pereira. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is basically just you know, it's like the comic book version of Al Pereira. It's almost as if he's like making another, you know, like a an like a like a, a comic out of Al Pereira. Like this is like that's what that is. This is. Yeah, because he has Al Crosby for like the black boots and leather whips. Then he has Al Prairie for a bunch of them. And then, and then this guy, uh, Philip, Mar- Philip Marlborough, which is funny because he's like a lot of the same characteristics as Philip Mar- as uh, Al Prairie, but he's more upstanding. He's the actual hero. He'll take people to the police. He won't kill them. And he'll, he's actually 
more of a good guy than Al Pereira is, but he's still, yeah, that same type of character, most definitely, you know, goes through yeah. the same thing. And he's always bedding with the women and stuff. And it's like, he almost beds the women because he feels like he has to, because he's a private detective. And like, that's part of this thing, you know, it's like part of his yeah. character. So it's just I mean, like, not to, not to get to the spoiling of Rin and getting right to the end, but I mean, it was just hilarious that ending. Oh yeah. 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 No, it jumps around. One so, woman falling after, after him, after the next. <laughs> So to go right back to the beginning, uh, it's funny that they refer to this as a, a shit city and it's like somewhere on the East coast and Franco name drops a bunch of like cities. He, he talks about Santa Cruz, like a, a Santa Cruz street or Santa Cruz. Then he says like Kansas and Ohio. And he's like, they drop it all these places where people should be from or going to or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'd liked that he didn't even try to make like any kind of other metaphor or whatever for sin city. It's just shit city. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even try. He's like shit city. It just, it's one of those fucking cities. Yeah. It's cute. And I liked his like font in the beginning where it's kind of like drawn, but with the red against the pictures, you almost couldn't see some of the letters of people's names, but it was a really good idea, but it's almost like a little kid drawing like a stick in the little. Yeah. I couldn't read anything. I was like, okay, that's a weird choice. Cause I can't see any of the names, but I mean, I just saw Candy Coster and was like, okay, I'm good. Right. They have the little stick figure with the boobs, you know, which I thought was kind of funny, you know? Yeah. Although yeah. I did go look up Jose Lamas or whatever, the guy who plays, um, uh, God, no, I can't think Watch of Jim. Yeah, Macho Jim. I love that name. Yeah, so funny. El Macho Jim. That guy was such a cutie. He looked like my ex-husband. Yeah, so now he's in The Shadow of Judoku versus Dr. Wong, and he plays the fake Bruce Lee in it named Bruce Lin. Oh. Yeah, and he's terrible. His karate does like a couple slow motion chops and a kick and just terrible. He's not a karate guy at all. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny. And I saw him in there because I – I looked up Macho Jim. I'm like, oh, who's Macho Jim? I was like, holy shit, that's the same guy who was Bruce Lynn, you know? So, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I saw that he's in um, the House of the Revenge of uh, the Revenge of Dr. Usher or whatever. It's like a, that one's coming up soon, right? We should do yeah. that. Okay, yeah. Um, I've got Neurosis that. Neurosis and the Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in that one, and I want to see what it looks like in that one then. Okay, yeah. Because, cool. <laughs> yeah, he's, he was easy on the eyes. Yeah, well, uh, speaking of him as we're talking, it's funny that his character, like, I liked, like, this film really was exciting to me because Franco did a lot of really cool, like, uh, not trick shots, but he did a lot of stylized stuff that he usually doesn't do. And he shot this as quick as he did his other films, but, like, I liked all the shots of Macho Jim, where it's just him just smiling at the camera and kind of being like James Dean or uh, Adam Ant. Yeah, it looks like a poster, like, in the first shots it's like he was trying to trick us into thinking that we were just looking at a poster but then he kind of like you know moved just slightly and it was like oh that's real but it was yeah i I thought it felt like he was playing with us like he was so handsome it was like a comic you know like like it was like still from a comic strip but then it was like no it's real you know well yeah it was just so that like comic vibe in this one and it's funny you say that because remember when his girlfriend first shows uh um, Philip Marlboro, the picture of Macho Jim, they use that picture from Heavy Metal, the ball-headed guy on the poster or whatever. Oh. Because she always says, she says, oh, here's my boyfriend, and they show a quick glimpse of the ball-headed guy uh, from the Heavy Metal cartoon. Was it uh, the real strong ball-headed guy? Um, 
So I'm one of the weird ones that didn't grow up watching heavy metal. I only okay. actually saw it like in the last few years. Gotcha, gotcha. I've seen it like I think once in, when I was younger in my 20s, but it wasn't like one of those things that like was embedded in me like I, a lot of people have where I, I know I have several friends that are like, oh my God, that's like part of my DNA. But right. I don't know that movie that well, but I can totally see where that would be. That's a cool reference. But yeah, if you see, if you watch it, this uh, a blues and Kylie pop again. Uh, watch the first few minutes when he talks to that girl and she says, "Here's a picture of my boyfriend." They show that quick flash, like two seconds of like that comic picture, and that's from Heavy Metal. Cool. And it's like a ball headed guy. And he's like holding a staff. Oh, it's, so it's actually a, a shot of it. Oh, okay. I yeah, that's from a like, magazine. Nodding to it, and I was like, "Huh." I'd be surprised if he was aware of that. <laughs> yeah, no, he actually used the picture from the movie or from the Heavy Metal magazine artwork. Okay. In, in this movie, along with pictures of Humphrey Bogart and maybe yeah, I mean, there's lots of yeah, like yeah. shots of of pop culture and stuff in here, even right. like Led Zeppelin and you know just random poster stuff that's supposed to kind of sign of the times, you know, and, uh, just throwing how hippie is into things. I like how he kept going back to the poster of oh shit with the thing falling over the edge, and he kept going back to that oh shit when something bad was getting ready to happen, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is comic bookie. But oh yeah, very stuff like that, which I really liked. It's like he had a lot of cool shots with this. Uh, as as we'll just talk about the shots that I liked in addition to the story, like the shots in, toward the end where he's talking to that lady, and the camera's behind the glass, and the glass is in front of the camera, and you see um, Phil Marlboro's face talking to her, and you do like that shot. He does a shot of when they're talking, and you see the reflection on the glass, and then like there's, there's like seven or eight really beautiful shots, like all the lights behind them when they're talking on certain scenes. Um, the whole lobby being in totally red when he walks in, all the fucking cool lighting, the the like orange across the top that would just like filter he was using, and it's just a lot of cool fucking interesting, really the stuff. Endless and rainbow flares. I mean, it was just like the half the movie was like, look, I made a rainbow, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, it, I felt like there was like that like when he's going through uh, Macho Jim's room. I felt like he was just holding that shot because he was like, "Oh my gosh, I made the mirror a rainbow!" You know, <laughs> so it was like going on for so long. Like, okay, he's searching, he's searching. He was just watching him search. But I, the whole reason that he was paused on that was just because he was so excited. You could tell to get that like his the whole mirror was just like this rainbow glow around. You know, him him searching it was just i don't know i thought it was yeah. funny how obsessed he was clearly with his new little toy and uh, speaking of that scene uh when he goes into the room and he finds that white powder and he's talking to the guy in the room who's the uh baking uh, powder yeah uh, pepita's uh, drug dealing friend uh that guy is like i think that's his first or second appearance in a franco film and that's um jose miguel garcia marfa and uh, he's a friend of mine on Facebook, and he uh, listens to the show every now and then. So, hello <laughs> if you're listening to this episode. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. So, yeah. I thought wow. I yeah. So, I saw him. I was like, oh, shit. I know him. Very cool. So, yeah. I was waiting to see when he was going to pop up in the Franco universe. So This world is yeah. such a joke. Yeah. I know we're all connected. So, it's very, very cool. Uh, so, yeah. So, back to the film. Um, so, yeah. So, I definitely like that. Um, uh, what else? Um so the beginning we have uh, the, oh yeah. So his girlfriend's talking about um, uh, Macho Jim and then she's very sad. She says, he went to shit city and he turned into a go-go boy, which I like that expression, a go-go boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, and then, yeah, as I said, the picture used her boyfriend was uh, from Heavy Metal. I mentioned that to you. And I liked the cool hotel exterior. When he pulled up, they had that cool, like 
kind of those like sculptures in front or the kind of the lights and the way he shot it, it almost looked like a futuristic kind of a hotel, the hotel where Philip Marlboro was staying at. Okay. That. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. But yeah. There's just so much cool shit in there. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I said they had a cool title sequence, but it was really hard to read, which you mentioned. Um, and I like the piano song, um, Macho Jim. Oh, and I uh, like the uh, disclaimer that when he, Philip Marlowe's driving to the hotel, he's like, um, any facts or parts of the story that are, that oh, right. could be identified in real life are, are purely coincidental. And if they are, not coincidental. They'd be really crazy if that really happened in real life. And blah blah blah. You know, it's kind of going on like this is all bullshit. But if it is, you're you must be living in a really crazy world. Yeah, know? the writers would be a, a, a really confused if you thought that this was you know correlating to something real. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but it, I, I felt like maybe that was kind of a tongue in cheek thing to the whole Al Pereira being you know like like oh this isn't fully being Al. It's just this is a different thing. You know. Because it's like this is the idealized like version of you know yeah it's like the narrator and he's breaking the fourth wall of like including the yeah. audience in on the phone like hey I, I'm here sitting with you guys watching this and and this is what it is kind of like a director's commentary almost which is kind of cool you know yeah it's just just playing around in his worlds his his multiverses and then uh, yeah. speaking speaking of another cool dialogue I liked when he goes up to his room and he starts hearing the r r r and he goes out. And it's the woman next door who's in the punk band, The Sluts. And uh, <laughs> he asks her, um, are you a wrestler? And she goes, I'm a destroyer. And I was like, yeah. So <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I get through the wrestling line there, man, for no, for no reason, you know. Sorry, I'm sorry, Doug. Uh, yeah, I actually was excited when when I – yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you remember that because I forgot by now. But because, I mean, there was a whole – I watched this movie last night instead of just before taping. Right. And- my brain <laughs> is mush, but um, uh, but I did catch that, and I was so excited because from watching uh, Lady Hyde, I was so happy that you were able to interject your wrestling into the whole Just Franco format. And so then when I like caught that wrestling quip, and I was like, oh my god, that must have just tickled J- Jason to pieces. <laughs> yeah, it was totally good synchronicity too, because Lady Hyde just appeared on YouTube finally this weekend, and then I watched this, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's just very, very nice. Like, it's like, just give me a wink, like, all right, kid, you know, so that was very yeah. cool. Everyone yeah. go watch Lady Hyde on Tubi. Yeah, 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 it's free and fun. Commercial free. I, they didn't give me any commercials. I was so happy. Wow, I'm really surprised because some give a lot, some don't. I think it matters on how much you use the service or whatever, but that's that's fucking awesome. Getting I never do. So maybe they were like that's trying cool. to yeah. lure me in. No, that's, good. <laughs> that, that's how it usually is. You watch the first few things and then, and then they start dropping a commercial, then a few more, then a few more, you know, it's like anything else. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's cool. Uh, and speaking of characters in this that were really, really cool, I liked her. I liked a lot of the characters in this, especially the flamenco hitman. I, he was like one of the highlights of the whole film, that guy. Do you want to talk about <laughs> that guy a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he is fun. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, the... God, sorry. All of the characters are, are just over the top. Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, like, so, yeah. yeah, he's just down. Everybody was just like down to do their worst or whatever, but I don't know. It was It was wild. Yeah, he had the big white kind of uh, flamenco out of uh, high heel shoes, like uh, uh, platform shoes. Oh yeah, his like and tap, he had a switchblade, and he was just over it. like, and then frankly, yeah, all the tap had that dubbed over, and he was just such over the top in his dialogue, and 
And there's a scene later, well, later on in the film, he confronts uh, Marlboro like two or three times in the film. But one of the second times, the guy's got a gun to his head and he's got a knife to his throat. And he goes, oh, are you afraid of me? Or uh, why aren't you afraid? He goes, well, if you're going to cut my throat, then I won't be afraid. And if you're not going to cut my throat, then why should I be afraid? Because I'm not going to die. And then the guy's like, oh, you, you, you should got a set of balls on you. He's like, talking about Al, 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 or uh, Phil Marlboro. So I thought just had really good dialogue with those two. And, and he had just a real smart ass kind of a character. And he was talking about, I'm Carter and this is Nixon and just all this fucking bizarre, just funny dialogue, almost like a Tarantino type feel to some of it. I thought, you know, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, like when he's when he's tap dancing and then the other guy has like the gun to the back of his head. I mean, I that was so surreal and car- like comic booky. Like that like how what that would never happen in reality. Right. And you know, and like I was thinking like what would that guy be thinking, you know? And then when he says that and the guy who's holding the gun to his head is like laughing and he's like on the guy's side who he's supposed to be threatening to shoot. It's like, you know, I mean, how afraid is the guy going to be? So, it, it was that was so kind of silly. It was like they were like the worst best gangsters cuz like, you know, you're not really going to be afraid of those guys cuz he's one of them is dancing and one of them is laughing at your jokes like while while he's holding a gun to your head. It's like yeah, he was kind of calling their bluff, and then they were kind of like almost like copping to the how silly they are. It was cute. Yeah, it was, I thought it was. I mean, there there scenes like that I'm sure before, but it was to me it's kind of very ahead of its time because it almost like I said it feels like a Tarantino scene or a Tarantino ripoff scene. Uh, where I've seen movies like that where you got the two hitmen and they're kind of comical and the guy's talking shit and this and that and just the, the feel of it seemed like something that came a lot later on over and over again, you know, in films or certain things, you know. Yeah, that that I thought was pretty I mean, funny. Tarantino is obviously a lot after this. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not a Tarantino ripoff. No, no. <laughs> but uh, fired him. No, but it felt like with the gangster stuff, like comical hitmen, and you know, being in a hotel, and there's certain elements that you see in those type of things. You know, maybe not Tarantino, but well, I mean, that's that the whole that. thing. That's what Pulp Fiction was, right? It was yeah. like. Right, exactly. You know, comic book stuff, like it was, you know, joking around with all the, the, the pulpy fiction. Right, the two hitmen sitting in the car talking, going to do these crazy things, and bizarre things happen to them, and the stuff they talk about and stuff. You know, yeah, so, it's yeah. essentially what this is. Yeah, basically. Um, they all different gangs and that. Um, so, um, yeah, like I, I noticed to the uh, lobby uh, that checked off my a red light on my list because the whole lobby was just situated in red. Every time I walked in, the whole lobby was just he had like a red filter over that whole scene, which I don't know why, but it I guess because of the comic book element. But it was just a very yeah. bizarre, like oh fuck it, why not? You know, kind of a idea. Um, so yeah, that and lovely uh, Lena dancing and everything, and then the the one like um, makeout thing reminded me of of your sex scene in Lady Hyde, where you've got the sparkly going on all over it, and oh yeah, yeah, was very like you know all of that like oral fixation, sparkly kind of you know the close ups of the tongues. It's all like oh yeah, no, we'll we'll fun. get that scene later on. That that scene to me inspired me to no fucking end. I'm, I'm going to wax poetic yeah. about that scene of him and her. Yeah, that was crazy, crazy. But first, before any of that, we have Lena and Lena plays Butterfly, which is a great character name for her. Also mm-hmm. known as Janara. And we see her on stage, uh, which of course it goes on the Franco list of dancing on stage stripping. And mm-hmm. uh, she has a cool sequence of her dancing on stage. Everybody's watching the punks are kind of talking about her. And, and there's a couple of movies where whenever the person's dancing on stage, some of the audience around this time frame goes 
oh, she's a real slut. Look at her. She's a slut. And it's like, <laughs> it's like they're trying to be complimentary, I guess, but in our vernacular, it's almost like a drug. I don't know. It's funny, but just the term they use, like, oh, look at her. She's a real slut right now. It's like, you know, and the other girl goes, well, she hasn't there's taken even, anything off yet. <laughs> it gets really weird with them. They call the, 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 there's the one point, I mean, I know this is a different time thing, but it, when the woman is like hanging off the bed and she's been killed and he's trying to figure out if she's alive and he's like slut 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 are you okay slut and he's like calling her slut like it, it just seriously that, that was so like well because she's in that band the sluts yeah but still but yeah, i know what you're saying weird, yeah, yeah, like yeah, i was yeah. like <laughs> see are the subtitles right but that's like <laughs> yeah thing. i'm like that's yep that's the word he's like are you okay slut <laughs> i mean god if i get murdered i hope that whoever finds me goes slut slut are you okay yeah. <laughs> that's how i want to go yeah. that was magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny um but yeah, no, it's it's weird the way that they use the terms in this for sure. Yeah, it could have said like, oh, she's a real hot bitch or oh, she's a real, you know, something. But it's like slut. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, it's a compliment. Exactly. Uh, and speaking of Lena, she, she has really cool mirrors in her dressing room when he comes in to talk to her. She has like her whole dressing room is full of mirrors. And that was a really nice sequence of them sitting together. And then. Oh, by- yeah. Yeah. That one bedroom with like the well that's coming up next yes saul saul's bedroom is beautiful Ah. he has these bamboo like clamshell rattan fucking chairs he Mm. has um uh oh but before that dude it's so funny okay so there's i mean i'm going over the list but this sequence right here there's like three things that get checked off the list right away there's uh the dance scenes on stage stripping then they go to Saul's house and there's a talking peacock outside for no reason. And it's dubbed <laughs> by Franco. You hear that? He's like, rock, rock, rock. And they're all like, what's going on? And they're all, oh, it's a peacock's really active. It's a full moon tonight. And they show the peacock and like Franco's dubbing the peacock. And then when they go in the house, you see this fish. It wasn't really shot. talking, you know, it's a peacock. It was just. Well, but it's Franco dubbing an animal. So it's a talking bird. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the original bird's voice. Was he Franco. dubbing it? In- yeah. It- you can hear that. them go, rah, 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 rah. you know. Like, that's the sound a peacock makes, sure. Well, I know, and I've had peacocks by yeah, backyard recently. I love that you catch the crazy, because I usually try to be the bird lady, but that's, that's, I didn't clock that. <laughs> yeah, no, because you see the peacock outside, he shows it three times, and then they go in the house, and then there's a fish tank shot, like, right away, with one goldfish in the fish tank. I started laughing. But, uh, yeah, so they have those two back-to-back. Um, but that oh, was felt like goldfish. Yeah, uh, and he has a cool filters you mentioned that. Oh, and then also cool dialogue. Uh, so uh, he goes. I mean, we're not going to go over the film step by step and scene by scene and blah 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 because people will should watch this. But there's a scene where basically after he's like chasing Macho Jim and Macho Jim's not very macho because he's scared of him. He's running from him. And he goes, Macho Jim, you're more like Macho shit. <laughs> Just funny. <laughs> Macho shit. Well, then, I mean, shit city. Yeah, and then he pays off, or um, Lena pays him off to like not follow him anymore. And then he goes back to his room, and Lena's there, and he goes, "You're like a boomerang, baby. I throw you away, and you come right back here." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, certain dialogue. Yeah, I mean, like they dialogue. just were talking, and she sends him off, but somehow she makes it back to his place first. Like, how did it was like? He was a surprise waiting for him, and I'm like. 
who would it be? Because it can't be Lena because she was just, nope, it's Lena. Like, <laughs> didn't really make sense, but okay. <laughs> and, now, and now I'll talk about the scene that you were kind of talking about earlier. So, which this by is the like- way, was amazing in that, that, that shirt when she was sending him off and like kind of revealing herself and all that, like with the, that, like kind of divine yeah. line. Oh, I was just, she looked so stunning. I was like, my queen. I don't know. And that uh, staircase I noticed was in that. Um, oh, yeah, that staircase was tight. Yeah, no, that was in um, the um, Justine movie that he did about six or seven films back. I noticed because there's a scene when Justine comes down from that. Or no, um, um, oh. Eugenie, the uh, Eugenie couple films back. Huh. The remake, you know, with the sand dunes one on the sand. That yeah. one with the bodies. Well, that one, there's that, one. There's that same that staircase, that outdoor place in that one. Huh. But. Okay, so anyway, so him and Lena get together. Mm-hmm. This is a big scene, which I like. Um, and Lena's basically bragging. She's like, every man that I went to bed with, I've defeated. Almost like she's like a wrestler. She's like, they all went to bed with me, and I won, and I defeated, and this and that. And he's like, well, you know, it's sad to say I'm not going to go to bed with you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like basically saying, well, I can defeat you. And, and he's in there smoking, talking. And behind Lena is cool Franco. So these are all these trick shots. Franco has like an ashtray or something probably with a couple cigarettes burning. Cause you just see Lena's silhouette and you see the smoke coming off her face just keeps coming up in the background. just keeps rising off her. And it's like, she's just fire, you know? And then they finally decide, well, Hey, we'll go to bed and, and I'll fuck you and we'll fuck each other. And then we'll see who wins. And then if so, blah, blah, blah. And it's like this big contest. I was trying to figure out what that even meant though. Like, what does that mean that she defeated them? Like that they wanted her more than she wanted them after, or cause it's like, well, if you got each other, then you got each other. So like, how well, do you, I don't understand the whole winning concept. And can I just say that this is a stupid thing to bring up right now, but I just, need to say it i as i was driving home just now i drove down this street because I, I went to go pick up my sewing machine and there was this kobe bryant quote because you know he he's from right. here and he died here and it said the moment you give up is when you let someone else win and i was like what's wrong with letting somebody else win right and that's how i feel about that like i i had sex with someone and i defeated them like well, well, her whole thing, I, I think, was like that. Like, I get that it's like a hot power trip thing, but it was also right. like when she was saying that, I was like, "But what does that mean? <laughs> like, what do you well, mean?" Well, probably, I, I would think that she was not that she was still unsatisfied. Like, she thought this person was this, and when after it was over, it's like you ain't, you weren't, you weren't a, you weren't a red hot lover. You know, you were just whatever. You were not that good. You know, that's probably what she meant. Like I did, like I was better. Like I was left unfulfilled. So basically, when when Franco then shot, he's defeated. You know, like if you don't get your rocks off, then that guy got off, and you didn't. So actually, he defeated you, which is usually well. How, he oh. came. He came <laughs> first. <laughs> he came first, which means he was pinned. So you know, so he lost first. He's the one that gave up. He gave up his his fluids first, so he lost. He gave up first. See. So I guess <laughs> mine being defeated by Lena then. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> I think that's the goal. <laughs> so Lena was undefeated, but the way Franco shoots the sex I mean, scene I between him and her, you, but, you know, it's uh, not the worst thing to lose. All right. Well, it's a pulp story. Come on, <laughs> it's not fucking life. 
but, the concept of it is just so so weird to me. Well, also well, is Macho Jim and Marlboro City and fucking you know. You know, it's it's all very silly, but when she yeah she 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 did kind of labor on about like she I mean she because she brings it up a couple times in it about how she she you know she has defeated all the men and I was like what the fuck does that mean like what do you mean you defeated but that's all also men? that's the legend of Lena that's who Lena is Lena is the fucking legendary lover that nobody can defeat her Lena with the magic tongue is fucking one hundred zero fucking. She takes on all comers and she will not be defeated. Nobody will take yeah. the throne from Lena. So it's true. Yeah. Well, so what are you fucking arguing with? Lena's magic tongue can defeat any. Okay. It's Enough. like the gospel. You know, what are you arguing with the Bible for? It's right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, come on, Colleen. Cheers to that. Exactly. So, um, so yeah. So the film, the, the sequence, I, I, I really, really liked is the way he filmed their sex scene. It was like, he filmed her muff. So beautiful. The light behind it shining. And it was like a glow. And just, I've never seen a sex scene shot like that. And then he shot like his face coming over and just the edge. And he showed you just enough to see without showing anything, just the nose going down and let your mind fill and everything else. And just the framing and so, and the saxophone, it was just perfect fucking, I was, and her face and his face and, and it showed you everything, but it wasn't, I was just very artful. I, I really, really liked it a lot. For sure. Yeah. 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 Got to give you kudos in the Lady Hyde close up of the crotch. Oh, okay. Uh, that very nice. She, oh. I mean, come on, when her pussy's right up in there and she's bending over, and how do you? How are you squinting, trying to remember? The I, I've I've making directing directing films and editing. What on films. earth, Jason? Uh, watching all these films, my brain's full of shots. So yeah. Oh well, yeah, I, just that time I zoomed in on that chick's pussy. I can't remember. I, I, oh yeah during when uh encyclopedia brain has that that's the thing that it can't like <laughs> okay sorry okay. my mind's full of close-ups of vaginas you know i've seen lena's 20 minutes ago so or half an hour ago so <laughs> oh my gosh um but uh yeah so i don't know i like the battle like uh i like franco's death scene in the bed when franco was like laying there giving this big speech and he's all beat up and shit i thought that was pretty funny yeah, it was Jess was so adorable in this. I mean, he always is, but you know, he's just yeah. guys and he's all worried about him, you know, he's like concerned for, you know, like and especially like with the part where like they they tricked him and lured him into the, you know, the setup situation and Jess is the only one who like is really concerned for, you know, Philip and he's like, you know, he's got those big Jess eyes like, "Oh no." Yeah, he's no, playing the piano and he's just talking to him like, "Hey, playing the piano, no, 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 no. but he's looking like totally scared." That was so cute. Yeah, there was a funny scene in that sequence, too, where, like, people are shooting the bar, and, like, you just see this guy sitting at the bar drinking, and I was thinking, well, I know they're not using real bullets, it was all sound effects, but then I was thinking, why didn't that guy react? And the guy goes, boy, you're sure it's loud in here, and I started laughing, because it was, like, just so comic bookish, you know, so I thought that yeah. was a funny scene, too. Totally. Um, and uh, I liked, uh, I said there was a scene, there was a cool scene with a woman and um, Philip talking on the couch... Oh, yeah, with the glass. I mentioned that before. It's a cool POV shot where he had the camera behind the glass. He kept going toward Philip Marlborough, and you've seen his face, and then her, and, and just kept doing that. It added a lot to it. Um, and then uh, we had actual end credits over this, which I was surprised. He had, like, locations and the name of the film place and everything, which usually doesn't happen. And then it has Finn over uh, Macho Jim's face. Um, it was filmed in Alicante. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I thought that was really, really cool. So, uh, yeah, no, I was, I was really, really dug and digging this film, dugging, digging this film. Yeah. Given well, to the dig. 
Well, we got a few minutes. Let's talk about this, and then uh, we'll come back after the uh, break of the time, and then we'll talk about the Franco list and all that, so we don't rush ourselves. Oh, sweet. So okay. Um. Oh, oh gosh, I put me on the spot. Well, um, no. So so yeah. So like, um, you basically talk about what you liked about it and stuff. Um, it's cool that he was able to pretty much do what he's always done, like shoot a hotel and a few locations and still make it really exciting and, and really cool with what he was doing and everything. And I thought it was a good, like he filmed this right after cries and pleasure, which we've seen and was really good. So it's cool that he did that film and this film back to back. And those are two really cool, just Franco films, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that is, I that's strange to be back to back. Actually. I didn't clock that. Uh, they don't seem remotely related. No, not at all. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that I, I do wish that they would re-release this with a better quality. I wonder if that will ever happen. It, it, the quality is yeah. shocking before. And I mean, I, the subtitles that I found, like kept coming in and out of sync and I kind of have to like pause it and reset them kind of, you know, like do the, like the whole thing with VLC a few times to get it to like work. And it was, yeah, I was like, God, I'd like to see a proper copy of this. Cause it was, it made it hard to like actually really pay attention. You know, sometimes I would find myself like looking away or drifting or looking at my cats or whatever. And then I'm like thinking maybe that's when he was looking at the awesome hotel or something that I was telling you know, like was that my attention got pulled away when it's like such poor, low, dark quality. And then like the, you know, subtitles are, switching off it's like i was trying to pay attention and i liked it a lot but then it was just like it would go start going places it was so dark in places too especially when yeah. Lena's dancing it's so dark in certain spots in there you can barely see you can't really even see her so it's hard to like pay attention when you you know it's already just lena dancing as you've seen her a million times and and then it's like when it's super dark it's kind of you know so not to go on whining and whining about the quality but i usually don't mind you know, with Franco, like with that stuff, but this one, I really hope that they do like that. They, they give it a release and do all them. Yeah. Movies. You know, out of all the ones that aren't released, like I'd say this one and pick up girls, uh, which is the one where Howard Vernon plays out Peraria. That's still kind of unreleased. Those are the two that I would really like to see released like this after watching it, I would really like to see Severn or something put this out because it's a safe film. There's no underage girls. Yeah. There's no bad I was just going to say, it's, it's not really like Eugenie where it's never going to come out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this could totally get released. I mean, even like you mentioned, the sex scenes are, you know, they show it, but it's not even. No, the nudity is for Franco film. It's very fleeting. You have that scene with Lena is the most gratuitous. Other than that, it's a couple girls take their shirts off laying in bed for 30 yeah, seconds. Like boobies, about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty tame as Franco goes. For sure. But yeah, no, that, that was really good. But no, like, and it's funny that, uh, like, you talk about uh, Macho Jim. So Macho Jim is almost like the MacGuffin in the film. Like, he's the thing that everybody's after, but he really doesn't mean that much. And it's funny that he's really not much of a factor in the film. It's everything else but him that's the main thing, you know? Yeah, it's just like, it's kind of funny how he's just a pretty face and really nothing more, you know? And like, the, and kind of almost, it seems like just kind of tries to kind of underscore that, that he's just like not really, he's like a two dimensional character. And even from the very beginning, when you see him and you think he's just a poster and he's, he's like, he doesn't really have any kind of personality he's just a pretty face and that's like the whole kind of joke is that like you know because right. these girls are losing their, their their mind over him and it's like but he's you know two-dimensional well plus he's you know and, and he plays both sides of the fence he goes after the old man and has sex with him and has sex with the women and tries to get what he wants. they say that 
you know, he's the devil. He's no he's a macho Jim. Yeah, he's Macho Jim. <laughs> I love that title. It's so stupid, Macho Jim. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. So. Macho Jim. All right, Macho Jim ring a bell like, when he's asking around, like, oh, because you hear that name, like, you wouldn't remember that name. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's almost funny. It's almost like a James Dean, or he's just like this Hollywood image, like, oh, everybody knows Macho Jim, you know? So, yeah. All right, we'll hang out one second and then we will go to the Franco list. Flip the tape. All right. All right, so now we are back for like that you should do a part two because I wanted to like you know force you to like do a quick uh you know lady hide uh oh for sure for sure let's let's knock out the Franco list and then we'll talk about Lady Hyde so it gives us some more time. <laughs> Definitely okay. So Franco list, uh number one, body of water. Uh, yes, there's a body of water in here. We see the lily par uh, yeah, we see that in the film. Uh number two, sailboat, no sailboats. Um, yeah, because the body of water we see is from the balcony where he's standing on there, and you see it in the background. Uh, two sailboats, no. Number three, boats, no. Four palm trees, yes. Uh, five jungle sound effects, none of that in this. Uh, six chained up person, that would be a negative. No chained up people in this film, which I had to think back twice to see if there was, but yeah. Uh, seven uh, dance scenes on stage, stripping. Yeah, of course, Lena does that really well. Yeah. Uh, Number eight, which is really a nice scene. It's shot really well. And it's really awesome. From what you can see, it's really dark, though, like you had mentioned. And then she does it twice, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and eight. I like how they talk about how every time he comes up to her, he talks about her ass. He's like, you're culo. Yeah, your culo yeah. Looks really nice, you know? Like, it's just, he, he, like, every single time that he, he mentions her, like, it's always your ass. Your ass is very nice when you dance. Like, every time, like, there's like three times he does that. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's talking to her in the back. He says, yeah, I've never <laughs> seen such a beautiful ass move that way on stage or something. She's like, oh, is that your way of complimenting a woman? Like, like Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. I, I like how she acted all kind of all offended, too. It's, like, not very Alina-ish. I know, I was laughing. <laughs> but it was all a ploy because she knew he, who he was, and she's like, playing like oh, right he's trying story. to act all whatever because she thought at that time she thought he was rich yeah that was funny uh so number eight club scenes dancing uh yes um uh dancing the bar yeah there's a bar people hang out the bar and talk and all that bullshit uh number nine jazz music um yes uh number 10 excess there's we mentioned that in the saxophone and such uh, 10 excessive zooms and 11 out of focus shots. No, I think it was pretty tight on this. I didn't see him go crazy with the zooms or yeah. be funny with his focus. He was really, like I said, he was really, he had a lot rainbow of cool, flares. Yeah. Lots a lot and of cool left rainbow tricks. flares. That's what the, he's every, all that other stuff he was bored of. He was like, I got rainbows now. Yeah. And everything was was and yeah. Everything start out. And I like, like that sequence too, of like when he, he was having sex with her, the light was behind her lips and he would star a little bit over her mouth. Like the light reflecting, make a star with the light and just, he was just hitting every fucking beautiful shot. It was great. Mm -hmm. Um, Number 12 uh, mirror shots. Yeah, definitely quite a few. Um, Lena's place. There's a mirror shot where he's talking to the woman and he's looking down at the table. There's a reflection of the two. There's a couple of the hotels. There's like four or five in this Um, number 13 mind control themes. No, uh, 14 magic tongue scenes. I don't think so. I mean, Lena him was kissing. She was more doing her bottom lip like this a lot and not really doing her tongue. She wasn't yeah, sticking no, her tongue out. I would, definitely wouldn't call this a magic tongue. No, unfortunately. Uh, 15 red light scenes. Yeah, the whole lobby was red. It was red filtered. I call that. I'll call that red light. Um, good same effect. 
16, sheepskin rug, no. Although when she, she died, she died on her favorite carpet, which was funny. I know I couldn't see what the carpet was because the quality was so bad, but I'm sure it wasn't sheepskin. Yeah. And Lena didn't masturbate or anything with a item starting with the letter C in this. So no. No masturbation. Um, although she did masturbate with Macho and Jim. It's one for the 1950s crowd. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 17, mad scientist and servant, no. Uh, 17, yeah, 17. 18, okay, here we go. Uh, fish tank shots, yes. 19, talking parrot, I put, uh, yes, the uh, talking peacock, which is happy with me. Voiced by <laughs> Jess Franco. That's like me Reaching voicing. You. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, number 20, in credits, yes or no, yes. Uh, 21, handwritten notes. No, just the handwritten title sequence with the funny sticks, but that's about it. Uh, I don't count that. Uh, 22, spiral staircase. Well, no, actually, there's that sp- staircase we talked about. It, it is technically a spiral staircase. It goes around like that. So, And the outside thing where Lena saves Macho Jim. Um, 23, uh, inept cops, no. 24, belly chains, no. 25, kinks, not really doing kinks in this film. Uh, 26, great headboards, yeah. Um, the old man, his house, his bed has this great, like, fucking pink, like, fucking beautiful headboard of his bed. And the very last scene, the woman in the bed that tries to go to have sex with uh, Marlboro, uh, her. She has a wood headboard with like a with like a radio dial in the fucking headboard, a few like instruments that are pretty cool. Uh, and uh, let's see, that's yeah. 26, 27, fear or desire? I'd say desire. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. desiring to get you know, Macho Jim. That's their yeah. own desire for that. Uh, oh, 20, there is desire for revenge, is actually yeah, the, the main, you're right, over, overarching. Yeah, so it's all desire. Drive. Uh, 28, acoustic guitar player, no. And finally, 29, reading a book scene. Yeah, uh, Antonio Mayans, uh, Marlboro reads comic books. There's a scene where he's in bed reading and he's reading a comic book, uh, yeah. like a comic pages. So, um, yeah, so that's the Franco list for this film. And yeah. now, speaking of Franco lists, I used Franco list when I made Lady Hyde, and I'm sure you saw a few things, like the palm trees at my house and... Uh, the sailboat I mean, when you were giving that list, and I, I like when I, when I, when you first opened this, and I said I like wanted to talk about Lady Hyde. I mean, I was gonna interrupt this whole list and be like, and I, you know, I know you checked this list off. The body of water got a little autistic. But, <laughs> <laughs> it was like every like like they're wrestling, and all of a sudden there's a shot of water. <laughs> Because the clashing of the water, the clash, the waves clashing against it was like a clash. So yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's why I did that. It's symbolism. So. Clash of the Titans was my favorite. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's like one of those things where I don't know. I, I loved. I was like, only the mind of Jason, like channeling Franco, would do that. Like no one else would. It was just. I love so much how there was like it was like watching a Jess Franco film, but like with your little pepperings of your. Like you know your your personality like tossed onto it. It was so it was like a remix. It was so fun. It was I don't know. I was so like giggling the whole way through. Like just this is amazing. You know, <laughs> like Good. who does this? It was just like that's what I like to hear. I love those people that say those things. Like what the fuck? You know, <laughs> yeah. 
It's just such, I mean, well, you could just see every nod to Franco and it was just so sweet. It was like you, your love letter to Franco is like oh, yeah. the thing is super cute. I, don't, I was just so immensely charmed by the whole thing. And I just wanted to tell you and just, yeah, like the whole, the, the list, you know, all of it, it was like, just, I was just giggling going, okay, there's another one. There's another one. It was just like, yeah. And then she ties up the, the doctor at the end of the chair. So it's a chained up person, you know, tied up and she's cut, cutting him. And yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah. many funny things, you know, Beer I like shots. Choke jerk. Oh yeah. Choke. Yeah. So now that's the Jason jerk. stuff. Yeah. I try to see. And that's the thing too. I learned like that's I, I, I try to do so that. That's some Jason stuff. That's what, that's your thing. That's what you get into. No, but that whole, like putting, putting an so odd scene. Part, in the so movie. I kink shamed. Exactly. <laughs> kink shamed. Yeah. There's kinks. Yeah. Kink. That's uh yeah. No, so that's kink shame, the choke jerk. <laughs> the you auto of, tickle oh. yourself to get off. What have we come to? <laughs> yeah. The auto erotic asphyxiation. Well, there's that yeah. theory that, a lot of the celebrities they find that have committed suicide were actually doing erotic asphyxiation, you know, and that was some of the people that were found hung. They wondered if they had were doing that. Wait, was it, was it Chris Farley that like <laughs> somebody who did that? That was like, I, I, I seem to Well, there was David Carradine was found in the closet, like in a woman's dress hanging from the closet, uh, like an autoerotic asphyxiation thing. And mm-hmm. there was other, they don't know like David Hutchins or they don't know other people like who's the guy uh in excess guy Michael Hutchins did really well look into his suicide I think he did the the okay. you know didn't realize he's dead yeah oh yeah he died years ago and yeah well, that's the, 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 I used to masturbate about him all the time well there you go so but yeah the no, cute all, front singer of, of in excess oh yeah guy. yeah 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 he, he committed suicide Dude, that's probably like terrible. 10 15 years ago 20 years ago at least Cute. so I wasn't even into his music. I just thought he was really cute. Hmm. He had bravado. But uh, yeah, no, and that's one thing like about Franco films, like, like uh, for instance, the one we talked about, uh, Mansion of the Living Dead, how it's one movie and then there's the weird scene of the guy and the woman in the bedroom and all that stuff. So that's what I try to do is to take a weird detour in my films, like the choke jerk and the weird stuff where people will laugh and have that weird, like, what the fuck? And then it goes back into the other stuff, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I was laughing out loud when the guy kept saying, I like to choke jerk, like to choke jerk. Yeah. It's like, okay. I was like driving to work this morning. I like to choke jerk. Like I was just, <laughs> I've just been giggling about that. Cause it was just like, who puts that in a movie? Like who does that? And then like, I don't know. And, and she, when she kills him so gleefully, you know, with the, like with the, the noose or whatever, that was just, I don't know. She, she was great. Love yeah. her. So much she's she's so funny yeah and i was really surprised that you were the lead i didn't know that you were the lead in this i thought that you had somebody else in there and so it was like really cool to i was like oh my god it's jason like that's i didn't i really didn't i knew i knew you were in it but i didn't realize you were like the star dude or whatever well kind of and everything that's pretty great the blood gushing i was like ah looks real good 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 yeah, no, it's funny. Yeah. yeah, the whole stuff. Yeah, no, I it's funny because I was laughing because I was like wanted a small part like Franco where you're kind of in and out, you know, and do your scene and then you're out of there. And but you're the thing that oh, it was very Franco. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, she was the star. Like just as he would have Lena, but and you're just kind of in the background. But right, like, I come in, do the stuff, and get out, and then let her do her thing and chase everybody, yeah. and kill and. I'm not an animal. I'm not an animal. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. It's just so much fun. Like I, I can't. I don't know. Yeah. Um. 
ah, for some reason my brain is so goofy. It's just sloshed around to that. The last that blues to Cali pop. Can we just talk really quick though, about how weird like the dude's morality was that like the, the chick, like, I mean, she confessed to him that the whole thing was about revenge and he only, she set him up to find these two so she could kill them. And so she kills them and then he's like, okay, well, I guess I'll fuck you. But then like this other chick comes in and kills that woman. And then he's down to fuck her. Like, it's kind of funny because at the beginning of this whole thing, like you were saying how, like, she, like, how he's the good guy or whatever, like, he's got morals. And, like, he's willing to fuck murderers. You know, like, I know they're women, but, I mean, the first chick killed two people, had had him hunt down people to kill two people just because they cheated on her. Like, that's that's her whole reason for killing them. Not even, like, they didn't do anything to her, but, but have sex with someone else, and she's going to kill them for it. And then somebody kills that chick and then she, he fucks them. Like, okay, I, don't, I got a sorry, question for I know you. We're talking about Lady High, but I just had to say, like, I meant to say this with the last film. Just like, maybe you can splice this or something. But like, no, that's I, fine. No, I no. To say I mean, how it, weird that ending was. I was like, what? Like, why would he fuck either of them? They're fucking crazy psycho murderers. Who's to say they're, they're not going to turn around and kill you? You know, like, no, it's that's true. That was the thing it was like, she, she, like, if, if somebody hired me, to hunt people down who had cheated on them so that they could fucking find them and kill them. And then they were like, okay, but fuck me. I'd be like, yeah, no, that's cool. I don't want to be in any of your sexual triangles. Like, I'm good. Cause if I go fuck somebody else, are you going to murder me? You know, <laughs> but if you thing- don't fuck her, she can still murder you. So that don't mean anything. You can still leave uh, and she can still send somebody after you to murder you. But for change. not fucking you, I don't know. Okay. But okay. He, really here's the deal. For these women. <laughs> if somebody if somebody owed you money and they were there with money in their hand to give you, would you take it? If they were owed you money for a job you did? Well, of course. I mean, well, like, that's the thing. She right. said, the rest of the bill will be my body. Oh, right. On the thing. So, I mean, he's just cashing you know. in the thing. He's just, hey, man, he's just collecting his bill. That's all. You know, that's all that was. He had a beautiful there girl laying naked in his bed. I mean, Come on, man. You have a point, but I'm just saying. I would not be putting my dick anywhere near something that's going to murder me if I put my dick somewhere else. I don't know. That was just. And crazy. then the second lady, yeah, <laughs> I, I understand that she killed that lady. But then on the other hand, like you were saying, that lady used him and killed all those people, and then so she's dead. So why shouldn't so why shouldn't he fuck that other lady because she killed that lady and that lady was an evil lady. So if that lady killed that lady, then hey, he's providing a public fine. service. Exactly. So, so he's like, we're hey, now man, the vigilante. You thing. take care of this lady, and you're a vigilante. But again, you're back no, to no the whole story. like, oh, Philip Marlborough is so much more moral. Oh, than- yes, yes. <laughs> and I just explained. Why. You were like, you were like, he would go to the police. When you said that, I was gonna like say all this, but then I was like, well, I should wait till the end because it's at the end. But yeah. So I just wanted to make my point that I don't know about his morality because that boy is down to fuck anything pretty much, you know, clearly. Well, so. look who's talking. I mean, come on, Colleen. <laughs> <laughs> I've never How fucked dare a you? <laughs> my knowledge, okay? I've never fucked a murderer. I'm pretty sure, like, well, you know. But maybe if, in a few years. I'm pretty sure that if someone that. murdered someone right in front of me, I would not be like, okay, well, I'll fuck you now. That, Cause that's literally what happened. Like he was, a, he was like going to fuck that chick. And she, she came in the room and shot that woman in the head. And then a few minutes later, he's like, okay, I guess I'll fuck you. 
Like yeah. what the like? Who, who, it's mean, Franco University. Everybody fucks everybody. You know that. Yeah. Come on. Like man. if a dude walked in and shot the guy I was about to have sex with, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll fuck you because you're really hot. But what if like, the person was evil? Like, and they switch shot it around and then realize like how psycho it is. It's just like what? okay. Well, here's the difference though. You're shooting somebody is shooting somebody. If you shoot somebody that's evil, it's one thing. If you shoot somebody good, it's it's one thing. But it's still shooting somebody and killing them. So what if that person was an evil person? You shot him, then you'd go to bed with that other person because oh, you saved me, and then you go to bed with that person or whatever. It's the same thing. He, I mean, but there he was sh- never any threat to his life. It wasn't like a hero situation where he. How was do like, you know that? You know, oh, you saved me or whatever. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that was his, his. I think he was just like, oh, she's hot, I'll fuck her. That was oh, that yeah. was pretty much the vibe. So, <laughs> I, I can't fault him. Like, I mean, you walk in, you see the beautiful naked girl in your bed. Hey, man, she's got no gun or nothing. You're you're cool. Why not? You know. I mean, I fuck some scoundrels, but not murderers. Jeez, you know, I got some. Yeah. I don't know. I just I just wanted to bring that up and just say that was some weird shit. But anyway, back to Lady Hyde. Okay. Sorry to dance around, but yeah. um. <laughs> I just I had to I had to have closure on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I I just I don't know. Um, where all did you shoot this? What locations? I shot in uh, all the mountains. Area. The the mountain areas we shot up uh, before uh, Nevada, up in um, like uh, Sugar Bowl area, like the Sugar Bowl ski, ski resort area, wherever that okay. little town is. You know, there's all these old train cavern tunnels deals that used to be trained I, like, I don't remember any mountains like that around sacramento no no it's about a, <laughs> a bit of a, i mean there are like you know if, yeah if yeah, you, yeah but not i like was that. curious which, which way you drove to get those shots so okay so you yeah that was cool that location really added a lot to it and that's another thing i took from franco was trying to find a cool exterior location we shot all the mountaintop stuff really cool the inside the tunnel stuff down yeah in how about the crazy train. cave thing that was what yeah. i was gonna ask next was what where where was the crazy cave that same area. Yeah? You just yeah. found a cave out there? Uh, a, friend of mine, a friend of mine knew that area. And he said, yeah, here's where these cool train, all these old train tunnels used to be. We shoot some cool stuff there. He so you location scouted it and then you took her out there. Yeah, yeah. And, and knew about it. And then we looked at the map and saw their peaks and other areas around. So we said, okay, let's, let's hit all that. So we shot one day up there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. nice. No, I know, it looks yeah. really nice. Love the cape, you know, obviously nod to fascination and all that Jean Rollins. No, actually that's a nod to She Killed in Ecstasy, which this film is really? a, is a direct almost uh swipe from. I basically took She She Killed from Ecstasy and then changed it. That's why I had her with the red hair, the purple. Okay, so cape. which came first then fascination or she killed in ecstasy? What is oh, it? She killed ecstasy, wait time. She killed ecstasy's uh, seventy and fascination seventy eight or seven or nine. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess it just that that well, I mean, any of oh, there's several of Rollins films where that's the chick in the cape kind of. Wanted. That's true. Yeah, he likes capes a lot because the Victorian or the Gothic look. You know, I should say. When I think of the woman wire. wandering with the cape, it's definitely I think of Rollins. But, but yeah. I mean, no, I had to make sure I got the purple cape from She Killed the Next to see the same type of material, and I I copied a few uh, things to be my total. You know, was uh, it velvet? And, yeah, yeah, purple velvet, and and, and I I even use a few. Uh, I think I used in that one or the next one. I used a few uh, um, Franco aliases in the credits as well. So I think there's I just a got a velvet dress that I wore this past weekend nice. with Christine, our yeah, yeah. friend. 
I'll, I'll talk to you about that definitely off the off the uh, yeah yeah finish this up so yeah. all right well anything else you want to talk about lady hyde or the blues uh, Kelly oh Club? yeah yeah i'm sorry i'm, I'm such a blah, blah, blah. i'm okay. just talking to you like i'm talking to you right. <laughs> <laughs> but i always do but um but yeah uh i don't know just uh, is there anything that you would like people to know about lady hyde or you'd like me to know about lady hyde that i might not have gleaned or anything like magical that why it was why why you chose that what the what, well, what what was like your favorite you know thing that you did with it your favorite part of filming that or my my biggest accomplishment I, mean, I love a lot of the look and stuff of it but my biggest accomplishment was the wrestling scene because i took two women that don't know how to wrestle or didn't do any wrestling or anything and i basically taught them yeah you directed and them and choreographed it and that was a fun fight sequence and they did a lot of good and i was proud with how i edited it and, and how it went through i i just watched the that sound and I was yeah. really oh my god gross <laughs> <laughs> so gross i was like cringy like, ah, you know like the bones are breaking and cracking and you know she's no and that was that was super nasty gross. yeah and that bone breaking that's a folly of a tin can getting crunched back and forth <laughs> so that's that sound effect but, love uh, it yeah no it's fine <laughs> I, I i really enjoyed it and then uh emmanuel should be out uh the next month or two and then I'm filming uh, a female vampire film in November, December, uh, January, yeah. something like that. So, nice. you know, casting for all that stuff. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to all those. So, but no, I'm really excited that it's on Tubi and I hope everybody watches it and tells everybody about it and stuff because uh, I do get commissioned off of it. And anytime anybody watches it, I get a couple cents or whatever it is. So, it all adds up. So, I want people to definitely watch it so I can make some money off it, of course. You know, it's one of the big films. So, yeah. But yeah, no, I liked it. Everybody's been giving it a good craze. Uh, I had a friend, a uh, guy actually was referred to it. He's been a Franco fan for like 20 something years. And he said uh, that he really was impressed by it and that it came the closest to other Franco fan films that people have made that looked like that. He said, you, you captured a lot of the stuff and you hit a lot of stuff and he was really impressed with it and stuff. So I thought that was really, really cool. I mean, you're clearly the biggest student of Franco, I think. Wow. I don't ever. say that, but no, there's, there's way, there's people way above me, but no, I'm definitely. Really? Just a, oh yeah. 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 There? yeah. <laughs> uh, there's guys that run Severin did it for Franco and Steven Thrower and, and uh, Robert Monell. And there's, there's so many guys way higher than, um, uh, Alex Minnebill. I just I don't know who think this much about it. Like just the you know this whole you know hundred and whatever podcast you've done. I mean, it's like just the obsessive you know like the what you're looking for in every film. And I I I have a hard time believing that there's any people out there that are that uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. Well, I, I don't. Yeah. Focused on Franco and to the go and then make a film. And nod to all of kind of the, you know, thematic, it, it, I don't know. I yeah, just, I hear you. No, it's that's, it's that exceptional. Part it's well, definitely, you. I think you're, I think you're in the 1% there. Thank you. Thank but, you. Yeah. yeah. No, it's good though. <laughs> and it just shows that, you know, you can do shit. You just put your mind to it and you do it and you put it out there and there it is. And now it's on Tubi and it's worldwide. Everybody can watch it and now do the next one, the next one. So it's, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah. And I love that you're like making 10 at a time, just like Franco, like you've just embraced this whole style and you're just, you know, writing and making more and more all at once. Yeah. No, I, I can't do a film a month like he does, but I, I, I try to do at least two or three is going to be my goal. So if I can do two or three films a year, then I'm really fucking set. You know, that's a lot more than a lot of people do nowadays. So. Yeah, and you're not getting a you know bunch of money from the government to make. No, I'm so. basically self-financing them from a nine-to-five fucking minimum wage job, basically. So 
you know. Yeah. And I so, mean, you know, Franco did get a lot of financial help. So But like on this film, Blues of Cali Pop, he this was one of his uh Manicoa films and this is not a big budget on this film, so and that shows you I think that the like, point is he had a budget. Yeah, that's true. He probably had maybe I don't know. He had that hotel, which I mean, when you're like he made, you know, a dozen films or whatever. How many? But if you have a budget, yeah, that's true. If if somebody gave you a budget, I'm sure you would do nothing but make films all the time. Oh yeah, no, I would do that all the time. You know, like on this one, Lady Hyde, I paid the lead. I paid about three or four of the main actresses and stuff. I couldn't pay everybody, but I still bought lenses, bought camera, and bought stuff. So I mean, I I dropped a couple thousand dollars into it. You know, all said and done, you know, but that's nothing compared to these other films that you know. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chick is smoking hot too. Her body is banging. Oh that? yeah, Liz. Yeah, no, Liz is great. She's in this and she's in Emmanuel. So I have her for the, these two films. So she definitely yeah. could be a, a, a just Franco gal. She kind of reminds me of um, Janine Renault from um, a succubus kind of. Totally. Yeah. She has the red hair and the well, body. Eastern stuff, European. So. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll wrap this end up. So thank you very okay. much, Holly, and I will see you again on uh, House of Usher. Cheers, sugar plum. Right. Yeah. Cheers, cheers. Mm-hmm.